the Cell Phone Junkie Podcast, episode 391 for December 1st, 2013. The DoD clears more airwaves for mobile networks, the Motorola G goes on sale in the U.S., and what does the future hold for 4G wireless networks? My name is Mickey Papillon. And I'm Joey Kappas. Brought to you each week by the Cell Phone Junkie podcast application. Available now for Android, the iOS, and Windows Phone 8 for $1.99. Well, the U.S. Department of Defense came to an agreement with the National Association of Broadcasters this week to clear airwaves for mobile broadband networks. Specifically, the Department of Defense will vacate the 1755 to 1780 megahertz bands and relocate those operations to the 2025 to 2110 megahertz range. The latter band is currently used by television broadcasters for remote TV operations, but the broadcasters have agreed to share it with the military. This move will leave the 1755 megahertz range available for mobile broadband, and the NTIA believes that that block can be paired with the 2155 to 2180 megahertz block to offer both uplink and downlink operations. No word yet on when that will go to auction to be used. The CTIA Wireless Association on Wednesday announcing that a major mobile phone carrier stolen phone database has been completed. According to CTIA President CEO Steve Largent, the global multi-carrier common database for LTE smartphones has been finalized and implemented in advance of the November 30th, 2013 deadline. As more countries and carriers around the world participate in the 3G and 4G databases, criminals will have fewer outlets since these stolen phones could be blacklisted and would not be able to be reactivated. Now, I think this is a very interesting uh, idea here and what they've done, and I think hopefully this is going to lead us down the path of uh, where we need to be here. I, stolen phones is just such a such an issue, I think, especially in big cities where you've got people that have got smartphones and they've got them just out and about with them, whether it's in restaurants or bars or cabs or whatever it is, or just walking down the street. You can easily have your phone stolen that way. And I think um, by the, the having essentially a list of those devices that can then be accessed by the carrier so that they don't activate those devices, uh, it, it is really just a very helpful thing and I think ultimately is going to be a great thing for consumers. Yeah, and we've had that with Sprint and Verizon. I don't know so much about Verizon and if they did this much, but I know Sprint for sure, if you report a device stolen, it would not be activatable on their network. That, Not to say that somebody couldn't reflash it and then put it on a different carrier because that was happening where, you know, like a stolen Sprint phone could be reflashed for Metro PCS or something like that. But uh, this would keep that even from happening. So it's definitely one more layer. And then, of course, with the uh, changes that we've seen in iOS 7 where you cannot wipe the phone and reuse it without the password, uh, you know, if we get that onto the Android side of things and this becomes more known and more prevalent out there, you know, the, the, the issue of stolen phones will definitely diminish. Now, that's not to say that it's going to completely go away, of course, because there's not everybody's going to have their device in there and there's going to be older devices that are that are uh, not in the database and whatnot. But I feel like it, you know, it's at least we're drawing a line in the sand, so to speak, and we're going to have certain devices that are, let's say, activated on carriers right now and new phones that are sold that are activated on those carriers. These are all in that data database and um you know, as we move to a global, uh, more global system here of, of maintaining this database, you know, certainly that'll help with bringing devices from the U.S. to other countries or trying to figure out ways to get them out to uh, to other places that they can then be activated. But in the meantime here, it looks pretty good for those here in the U.S. You're not going to have your phone stolen uh, probably uh, in, uh, if you're on a major carrier and then have it reused on another carrier here in the U.S. A couple of pieces of device news. Nokia on Wednesday revealing the Lumia 525, an update to the 520. 
520 and 521. This increases system memory from 512 megs to 1 gig of RAM. The Lumia 525 has a 4-inch screen, a 5-megapixel camera, dual-core 1 gigahertz Snapdragon S4 processor, and swappable rear shells. The Lumia 525 is slated to reach select markets later this month for $200. No word if or when it will arrive in the U.S. Samsung on Monday announcing the Grand 2, a large-screen Android smartphone with middle-of-the-market specs. The Grand 2 is a 5.25-inch 720p HD LCD display, quad-core 1.2 gigahertz processor, and a gig and a half of RAM. Other hardware features include an 8-megapixel camera, 2600 milliamp-hour battery, support for microSD cards up to 64 gigs, and support for HSPA Plus networks. The Grand 2 runs Android 4.3 Jelly Bean with Samsung's TouchWiz user interface and will be offered in white and black and also in pink in select markets. Samsung did not announce plans to bring the Grand 2 to the U.S. And Motorola on Tuesday making the Moto G available for sale through its website to U.S. customers. The Moto G cost, get this, $180 is all for the 8-gig model or $199 for the 16-gig model. The Motorola G was announced earlier this month. It has a 4.5-inch 720p HD screen, quad-core Snapdragon 400 processor, 5-megapixel camera, and an unlocked GSM configuration. The device ships with Android 4.3, but Motorola says they guarantee it will be upgraded to Android 4.4 KitKat early next year. We're going to talk a little bit more about this device with a question that we've got coming up here in just a minute. In software news, Samsung updating its chat on messaging application for Android to provide the ability to send both SMS and MMS messages as well as instant messages through the app. Chat on is a cross-platform messaging app that uses data networks to send messages rather than SMS. The new feature allows users to set chat on as their text and picture messaging inbox. The app combines IM and SMS and MMS threads so that all messages sent and received from a single contact are in the same spot. For now, the only feature the feature is only available in Germany and Brazil no word on when it will be coming to other parts of the world. Google on Tuesday saying that it is working on a fix for the Nexus 5 camera. Accordingly, they say the team is aware of issues and is working on a software update that will be available shortly. In addition to the Nexus 5 camera fix, Google is working to add support for raw imaging in the Android platform. The installer for CyanogenMod, a popular alternative to Google's stock version of Android, has been pulled from Google Play after its creators were informed by Google that the installer is in violation of the store's developer terms. The Google Play support team told Cyanogen that the installer encourages users to void their warranty. So you can definitely still go get this with the uh, you know by sideloading this application. It's just no longer in the Play Store, so you can go over to Cyanogenmod and get this uh, application to install it if you uh, want the easier way to install ROMs. And I, I think this is interesting because it's, it's almost like this is a, uh, a philosophical discussion here of how the, 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 the Play Store should be run and kind of like how the Apple iTunes App Store is run. And do we, do we really have a problem with services like this being in the App Store or people really getting themselves in trouble uh, by doing this, understanding that it's violating the, the potential you know, developer terms that they have? But there's so many people, it seems, that are doing this. I know there's uh, well over a million people that are CyanogenMod users. Does it really matter if they have it in the Google Play Store at this point? Yeah, it does, because people don't know what they're doing when they see this kind of thing. They really don't. They would have no idea how to recover from an error that they'd cause. Uh, you know, they wouldn't know how to uh, connect their device and go to ADB and get the SDK installed and get all the, the commands set to get it back to a factory uh, or, or, or reload it if need be. 
Yeah, that's, I suppose, a good point. I do think that it's great um, for those that want to, you know, to modify and, and tinker around with their devices. It's a great way and an easy way to do that, you know, understanding that there's a lot of different uh, things that you can do and, and different tweaks that you can make. Uh, they've put together a great batch of things, and that's how you've got these these kind of packages that you can put on. And so a lot of people I, love, I know love CyanogenMod. Again, as Joey mentions, you can still go get it. It just it's not available anymore in Google Play. And Google on Monday announcing that the Play Edition versions of the HTC One and Samsung Galaxy S4 will receive the Android 4.4 KitKat system update in the coming days. The Play Edition versions don't have the device manufacturer overlays on them. Of course, they instead run the pure version of the Android OS. Well, number of questions and comments this week. First up is a comment from Ben, and he says uh, below as he attached screenshots is my T-Mobile LTE speed test results. There's a brand new tower in. In Red Bank, New Jersey, and results when connecting to it are out of four out of five bars. I did not realize that we had LTE, which was a nice surprise. The store reps didn't know that either. I finally got the 5S, and I'm liking the iOS 7 updates and fixes. And then uh, I ask you, do you have your iPad mini yet? Uh, I, I do want a new one, of course, but I'm going to have to wait a little bit. My first gen Verizon mini is still doing the job well. Enjoy the show. Thank you. Ben. Uh, so Ben's uh, speed test, the first one he had was 20 megs down, 7.5 megs up. So uh, obviously nice T-Mobile uh, LTE speeds there. Hopefully that stays for you as a consistent speed with them. Um, as far as the air is concerned, you know, I did get the air. Didn't talk about it. Uh, excuse me, the mini that is. Yes, I did get it. We didn't talk about this on the show last week. Uh, and I, I, I ordered it uh, right when it came out. I got it and uh, subsequently returned that one as well within four days. Uh, of course, if you recall, that follows my return of the iPad Air. So uh, still iPad-less here. And I guess it's worth a, just a quick conversation about why this is happening here, other than um, I'm just neurotic about this kind of stuff, I guess, at times. But, um, you know, the iPad Air, I felt that the, the overall cost of it was uh, it just it didn't I couldn't justify it. And granted, it wasn't any more than the 32 gig Verizon model of the uh, third generation iPad that I had. But I don't know, for whatever reason, it just it didn't feel like the, enough of an upgrade or something. Something just didn't click with me. And so I said, you know what, for the 800 plus dollars with tax, whatever it was, I said, I, I just don't want it. I just don't want it. And so I said, well, maybe the way to go is to go with the the mini and uh, I had you know bought the original mini used that for just a couple of days as well and realized that it, it didn't I didn't need a second iPad so when I was iPad less here this you know last month I decided okay just get the new mini order that and got it and what I realized is that the, the this new model uh, and you've probably read it and, and heard about it in other reviews and stuff is it's amazing because what they've done is they've taken out every reason other than screen size why you would want to make a choice between this version uh, and the iPad Air. So meaning the, the two devices are essentially the same. They function essentially the same. And the experience overall is really quite good. And so it, it all comes down to whether or not you want a 10-inch screen or uh, an 8-inch screen, basically. And uh, to be honest, I could, I figured it out very quickly. It, the, the Mini is just the wrong size for me. I, maybe it's so many years of using the full-size model. I just couldn't get into it. I really tried. I mean, it was the only device that I had. Um, it was nice and portable. I could take it with me a lot of places. Um, I even splurged and got the nice uh, full leather uh, case, uh, not just the smart cover, but the full case. Uh, which was great. And it just, it was just, it wasn't, it was not right. Um, and I think a lot of people are, are, you know, maybe thinking this way. And I know there's a lot of people, Ben, like you that think the opposite way that this is, this is the mini, this is, or this is the iPad. This is the way that it should have been. Uh, but Joey, I don't know, just for me, it just, it just did not seem right. 
Yeah, and for me, I you know I have to agree with you there. Uh, to to me, for the extra hundred dollars, it, it's worth it to get the larger screen size, uh, just for my use case, uh, especially typing on it. Uh, you know, responding to emails, it you can actually kind of touch type on it uh, like a full regular keyboard, and that's uh, something I know I could not do on the mini. And I will tell you, the interesting thing is that I, I was trying to use it in a way that had me kind of walking around and using it. And so the typing on it was all done in the portrait configuration, which was fine. I mean, that, that works out actually very, very nicely. But what I realized is that if it was things like I wanted to take a picture and upload it or do something like that or take a picture and email it, it just it, it just wasn't nearly as convenient as just pulling my phone out and doing that. And so I, I felt like I was shoehorning that into my life more than the iPad. Because at least with the full-size version, I never felt like I was I had to try and make this thing go with me everywhere. Um, so it's interesting. I, I, the, the total opposite of what I thought was going to be, I did not like it. Um, it. It wasn't portable enough. And so then the limitation of the smaller screen size just made it not feel right for how I wanted to use it. So very, very interesting kind of test with this. So now I'm, I'm kind of decision to make here. So do I go with another iPad? Do I go with something like... Uh, a Nexus or with some other smaller type of tablet, which is as obviously with this conversation, probably not. Uh, or do I maybe take a look at one of the bigger ones like the, the Note 10 or something like that? Something like that or wait for the, uh, the supposedly large iPad that's coming. Which, okay, the 12 inch or whatever it is, 12 and a half inch. You know, I, I think that we could see something like that. Joey, I know you would love that, um, you know, ultimately. But um, I don't know. I, I, that's, that's kind of a long time to wait. But here's the other part of this that's been so fascinating for me. And this is I think for someone who isn't using a tablet on a regular basis and you hear this and you're going to go, yeah, no kidding. I don't even really miss it, uh, to be honest. I've got you know a computer at home. I've got a computer at the office. I've got my phone in between. I don't feel significantly less productive. I feel like I'm missing something because I've had an iPad for so long, but it's not like I've got you know, said, Oh my gosh, I got to do this. You know, I, I, I need an iPad. Oh, can I, you know, to my wife, can I borrow your iPad? I need to do something. It's like, no, just grab the phone and, and use that. I use that a lot more. Um, I have brought my laptop around with me a few more places, but it's not been like a crazy, you know, total shift in what I'm doing. So very, very interesting to me that it was a, uh, it was something that it's convenient. It's nice. It's a toy in many regards. It is, it does help, you know, with productivity, but at least for my situation, my life, it is not a necessity by any means. Yeah, and, and you know, for most people, they're kind of tertiary devices behind their their computer and behind their cell phone or smartphone, I suppose I should say. Uh, other people, it, it, it creates more of a primary role, really depending on what their use case is. For me, the iPad, and I'm not sure if I'd go for a bigger one now at this point. Uh, it's still, it would be very interesting to see how it be how it would be and how heavy it would be if it wasn't significantly heavier than then maybe it would be something i would consider but uh, right at or if it had much better sound maybe i'd consider it but uh you know at this point uh i i use my ipad a lot instead of a laptop it just really fits for me for the work i need to do uh pretty much just right so i i don't ever carry a laptop and i can pretty much do everything i need to do on the ipad so for me it's kind of a weird uh secondary kind of layer device uh but kind of alongside the smartphone with uh you know making phone calls and kind of doing quick pictures and email so let me ask you this as someone who is using a tablet as essentially a laptop replacement do you feel like you're missing out by not having a keyboard or uh you know a pointing device like a mouse or trackpad with it 
You know, I really don't because the, the, the specific applications I have uh, work for me just right. Uh, the other cases where I'm using a remote desktop, the, the, the mouse, uh, the new Microsoft uh, RDP client is actually really nice. So it's got really handy way to do the mouse. The All the, the, the interface is pretty handy. But then those very, very rare handful of times that I do know that I'm going to be typing uh, more on the iPad, I bring my little teeny, uh, well, it's not little tiny, but it's a, uh, a Zag Bluetooth keyboard that I got on eBay for like 12 bucks. It's kind of a smaller size one. It's not a case or anything. It's just a, a Bluetooth keyboard. And I use that for uh, some kind of mass data entry. Yeah. And that's, I guess, where, where I come from is that I, I feel like I, I need it more than I do maybe. And, and that's where if I try and fit a, a case with a keyboard, a keyboard built into it onto the tablet, it just, it, it, it feels like I've now turned it into a laptop and I, I use it even less. Um, it feels more productive when I'm using it, but I don't use it as much. So uh, I, I, I don't know. Maybe that's that's a hard thing for me that I'm going to have to just get over. And, and as you mentioned before the show, maybe just get a couple of key, key, keyboards and leave them around uh, in different places, like in the office and you know, living room or something like that, and just use them when I need them. Yeah, I think that's a good strategy, Mickey, because this, this, uh, the keyboard I have is not a case or anything like that, so I don't ever feel compelled to bring it with me or to attach it to the iPad because I can't really, it doesn't do that. And it's, uh, um, it's one of those things where I've, I've had this thing for what, two years, two and a half years, I think Mickey, and I've charged it once. Wow. I mean, that tells you how much I've used it. And, and I mean, it's got a pretty long battery life and I've, I bring it to me with cl- to, into a class and actually take notes with that keyboard. Um, into Evernote. So that's one of my use cases for it. And that's pretty much the only time I use it. Uh, unless I know that I'm going to be kind of out and about to a coffee shop or something, for example, if I need, if I know I need to write uh, some schoolwork in or write some emails, I'll bring it, I'll bring the keyboard with me. One of the things that I always kind of chuckle at is I read these articles about tech writers, tech bloggers that are are doing these stories um, that, talking about the productivity and how, you know, it's, it's, keyboards can make it infinitely more infinitely more productive I, and I, I totally get that but they're also doing as their business you know text entry and so typing is something that they I think really need to have something that works really well for them and that, and that that's just what it is uh, but for most people it's you know it's I think it's processing of email it's more uh, triaging than anything else and in browsing the web obviously the the keyboard that's on the device is just fine for that and you know those types of things you're not actually entering just you know all sorts of different data uh, and this is this is where I get into trouble because I like I said I feel like I'm not as productive and I don't even really know if I need to have that in my life if that's going to really make it that much better and so my mind kind of spirals out of control as it did this past week into doing something like a Chromebook and I know Chromebooks again for those that type a lot are probably really nice because you can you can do everything that you can do in a web browser on the device and so there are certain like very very specific use cases where I would really enjoy that but the general kind of sense of things is that it's probably not the best the best thing for me but the other thing is is I'm not I'm not sold that the iPad is either. And that's, that's a very apparent to me this week when, like I said, I've actually, I've gone out a couple of weeks here without an iPad and it really has not been that big of a deal. Yeah. And so, I mean, it's, it's one of these things, you, you know, you don't need to feel motivated to get one, Mickey. I mean, you just don't, because if you're not really using it or not really missing it, then, eh, you know, it, it, save your money for a little bit and figure out what you do want to get, or, uh, you know, just don't run back out and get one and 
just to to have one i mean unless you're really using it uh you know that's the that's the tough part i mean you've got the you've got the power now because you're the 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 consumer with the money in the pocket ready to go but there's nothing saying you need one no no nothing at all very interesting conversation here i think just because i i don't necessarily think that i'm i'm the average consumer but at the same time my life has changed a lot over the last year and i found that you know certainly where i used to be a two phone all the time guy sometimes even three phones one phone is fine sometimes now i don't even think that a tablet is necessary um you know and, and really trying to to figure out how my mobile life is going to be best served um i will tell you i picked up uh, this week a uh, one of these mophie juice pack heliums that was uh, available through one of the deal sites and uh, i'm trying that out right now um it's 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 big it's bulky uh especially on an iphone it just really doesn't feel at home because uh, it adds so much weight to it but it it continues to give you longer battery life uh, longer much further past what you'd you know get like basically twice as much as what you get and so um i'm trying that out and see if this is maybe a little bit better of a thing for me and not that i'm ever see here's the other thing unless i'm traveling or something i don't really feel the need to have an extra battery with me because i do just fine but either way this is the uh one of the things that i'm trying out here just trying to figure out how to optimize what it is that i'm doing yeah, and for a battery, you know, if I'm traveling, I will burn through a battery in half a day easy sometimes. But at, at home, in my normal use, I'm still 50-60% at the end of the day. So it's it's one of those things where if you do need it, you really, really need to have that. And I totally get it that people love these things for what they are, and I... I can respect it. I also can realize how nice it is not to have something like this that adds the bulk to the device. What allows you to use the phone while it's charging... Yes. Yeah. Whereas you can't do that if you're tethered to your car uh, or to a wall. I mean, it's the ultimate portability in order to be, you know, to, to give you that ability to charge and still use the device normally. And I, I guess I do really like the the idea of it, um, you know, and, you know, generally it, it's it seems like it's a it's a pretty robust thing. I, I just wonder the uh, like I said, how how I'm going to feel about it after having it on for a couple of days. I may not even make it a couple of days, to be honest, just because it is so big. But we'll see. It's it is. It's here. It's, um, you know, checking that kind of thing out. So. Anyway, this was a, uh, a long kind of rant after Ben's comment here, but uh, either way, interesting conversation nonetheless. Moving on here to Kevin. Kevin says, Mickey and Joey, wondering your take on the Moto X. I just heard it's on sale Cyber Monday for $350 off contract for all carriers, including Verizon. Having an iPhone 5, I'm still craving an Android device. I know, Mickey, you've been thinking about the Nexus 5, but they don't have your carrier option uh, like me, i.e. Verizon. Uh, you think? Uh, do you think this could be the device that you would like? Um, uh, on a side note, uh, do you have any picks or suggestions on cool items you've seen for Cyber Monday? Thanks for everything, Kevin. Uh, well, Kevin, yes, happy Thanksgiving to you as well on that. Um, you know, I do think the Moto X could be an option. Um, I'm going to keep an eye on it for the deals on Monday. The $350 could be, could be you know, something I could get behind. But here's the other part of it. We talked about it earlier in the show. The Moto G, um, not an option on Verizon, so that may be you know, just a non-starter for you in and of itself. But it, the fact that you can get essentially a almost top of the line device for $180, uh, this is a very, very compelling thing here that, I mean, even probably even more than the Nexus in many cases, because it is, you know, it's got a 4.5 inch screen. It's got a quad core processor in it. It has essentially the the, the specs on it that are, you know, it's, a, it's not going to give you I, sh- I say it's top of the line. It's not quite top of the line, but it's a five megapixel camera. So it's not an, an amazing camera, but it's still probably a very good camera. But like I said, quad core processor in it. It's a decent device. 
price for the money. And especially if you're looking to try out something, um, this is, I think, probably one of the better options that's out there right now. Um, I'm not sure if Google is subsidizing this. I'm guessing there's got to be something going on for only $180. Uh, and if maybe you want to get the bigger one, I'm not sure why, if you're buying such a cheap device, you want to go bigger, but you can for 20 bucks more, you get double the storage. It's it's just crazy just how, how cheap this is. So um, I would say take a look at, at something like this as well, and uh, maybe that'll get you you know get you thinking about it as well. But again, I know if you want to stick with Verizon, then you know maybe then go ahead. Do three hundred fifty bucks tomorrow, pretty good deal for the Moto X. Well, if you have a craving for Android, I, I I mean that's a pretty good price where you can get out of contract to get a you know relatively new device here that's got decent specs on it. I mean you could probably sell the iPhone five. I don't know what they're going for right now used, but I would imagine you could get at least three fifty for it. I mean if not more. So uh, that's uh, you know you kind of come out in the wash with a new Android device pretty much. And that's I think where people are kind of thinking about this here. Um, so yeah, I I don't know if I would if I would necessarily go for uh, the. The, the G in just because if you're looking to stick with your carrier and not having to futz with it, um, you're going to have to figure something out another way. But I at the same time, it's so much cheaper that it may be worth it to go and figure out another prepaid option. Well, presumably for uh, for Kevin here, he's still under contract because he's got the iPhone five. So if you get the Nexus five, you could activate that and continue paying you so you wouldn't have to deal with the contract and you could still sell the iPhone five. Yeah, that's true. Uh, I'm seeing prices here pretty actually wide ranging here. I mean, this goes from uh, I'm seeing some of them here that are 350 bucks. Uh, I've got one here. It's kind of a package. It comes with a whole bunch of different cases and stuff like that over $500. So the, you can still get a few bucks for your phone if you want to sell it online and, and get a brand new Android device and and uh, move on, be, uh, be all done with iOS. So uh, thank you for, uh, for that question there. As far as uh, other you know, ideas, suggestions, or things to buy, I've mostly been following the tablet deals, trying to figure out if I should get something there. Um, I don't know that I'll get anything, but there's a lot of deals to be had. Uh, I know there's a deal on Microsoft tomorrow. I think it's the T100, which is the Asus uh, transformer that runs Windows 8.1, uh, which I think is only 300 bucks. So that's a pretty good deal if you're looking to uh, pick up the tablet like that. Yeah, there's a, a bunch of those things kind of floating around. Not too much on Apple products, of course, as typical. There's a there's a few discounts here and there. But uh, yeah, I haven't really seen anything too great on the Android side of things. Yeah, I, I, well, I mean, I've been watching a lot of different things fly by, but um, it, it's tomorrow's the day. Just, you know, stay tuned to things like Slick Deals. Um, you know, all the, the nine to five toys is one that I watch. Um, there's a whole bunch of there's a whole bunch of tech places. bargains, tech bargains, new egg. Uh, all these great places here that can give you some give you some things here, uh, and if there's really good deals that are out there, they're going to get aggregated onto other sites as well. So uh, just make sure you follow some of the big guys, and, and you'll be just fine there. And act quickly if you do see something you want, because they will be uh, selling out probably pretty quickly. Oh, absolutely. Next one here is a comment uh, and a question from Varick. He says, a comment on episode 390, time marker 20 minutes and 52 seconds. You commented that on Rogers, you have seen speed test the size 100 megabits per second. Rogers has deployed a 20 by 20 megahertz uh, network compared to the 10 by 10 on AT&T and Verizon in the 700 megahertz bands. I think uh, Rogers deploys on the 2600 megahertz as well. I wonder what the actual coverage is actually like. I think that we'll start seeing similar kinds of speeds for a while once Verizon and other 
carriers deploy the 20 megahertz channels in AWS, which I believe is what they're planning to do. Which leads me to my actual question. Where is all of this going? Demand for bandwidth seems to be going up faster than the speed at which carriers can put up new towers and acquire spectrum. Are we headed into a future in which cell phone towers have tiny coverage in order to reduce the number of subscribers per tower, but many towers put up and bands are used at very high frequencies or very low power or perhaps both. Thanks, Varric. Yeah, I think it's. Uh, I think that's true. Actually, um, that's basically what Verizon said they were going to do with the AWS Spectrum is have lots of towers on the smaller spe- and the the smaller wavelength, the higher frequency, because the range isn't so far. They can put a lot more towers and they can hold more more subscribers per site because they're smaller. But at the same time, they're still going to have their 700 megahertz uh, frequency kind of on the big overlay, especially for rural areas, less populated areas. So it's going to be both actually for their networks. And and the other part of this that we have to mention is that the small cell market is, is something that we're going to continue to hear more about. The future of networks uh, is is very different than what we've seen up until this point. The ability to reuse spectrum is vital in making sure that we can we can have a network that is robust enough to handle the things we need to throw at it. So, and then the question about uh, using data faster than they can build it, that is absolutely the case. And I, I think a lot of it is coming from kind of the recent transition from uh, the 3G networks to LTE, of course. Uh, we've become more accustomed to using data on the devices. The devices themselves have become much, much faster. So, for example, on my iPhone 5, I, I can pull up a website just just instantly almost. And this is now, a, you know, a year old device. Uh, there's, you know, quad core tablets. There's amazing, you know, things you can do with the iPad, which I'm, I'm using on cellular. Uh, we've got so many more data using devices. I know cars, it's coming, going to be kind of the next big thing in cars, streaming video, this, it, it, you just use it more and more and more. I mean, even think of how, like for me, how I use the internet at work just seems like every day that goes by, I use it more and more. And it's, uh, it, it's one of these things where services, use more of the internet and you're using more, you know, VPN connections, you're using more and more. So it just, just, just like, uh, you know, the workspace, it's moving into the mobile as well. Yeah. And I think that's, that's one of the biggest parts of, of why we're using more is because there's more pieces uh, of our lives that are integrated into these devices. There are more things that we manage now. There are more things that we're, we're enjoying or, you know, our entertainment is coming from these as well. Uh, And, and, you know, if you want to see how a network is going to be reusing the spectrum or using the spectrum that they're buying up in many different ways, take a look at Sprint. They're already working to create their full network with access across three separate bands. That's going to give them versatility. Uh, That's going to give them the ability to run essentially a traditional network and the layout that they've had, but then add in for the basically the insatiable need for the bandwidth of these devices and prevent uh, any sort of, uh, you know, issue when it comes to the speed that is on a single uh, single band or se- single frequency like what uh, Verizon has been doing. So um, I, I think it's a very it's a very interesting thing that we're seeing here. This is just the beginning, and and as we talk about this more, we're going to find ourselves really coming back to the things like uh, the small cell because this is a way to to take a, an extremely busy area like a sports stadium or a mall or something where you've got 
tens of thousands of people within a few hundred yards and they can put up these antennas that are at a very low power that the devices connect to and as you walk essentially just a like again a few hundred yards you're going to move from essentially connection to connection and it's going to be able to reuse the spectrum not right next to each other but you know within a very small area and that's very important and i think a very interesting thing that we're going to see is a way to do it think about it as a um, a collect a connection collection that is of like hot spots, and as you walk around an area, you move from this hot spot to hot spot, and it kind of meshes together in a way that gives you essentially great service all the time. This is not a new concept; it's just new to the U.S. market because uh, of just the way that we've built all our network- networks up until this point. Yeah, it's you know the same concept of of you know like AM radio in the at night. You know you have to. Uh, turn your station's power down or even off completely if you're on the same frequency as another station that's uh, bigger uh, way on the other side of the country. I mean, because the, the signals will travel hundreds of miles at night uh, for AM, you know, unlike FM that's, you know, uh, what, 100, 120 miles or something or 100 miles you can go with uh, FM signals. And, you know, these higher frequencies that we use for cellular are much, much shorter in the, you know, 10, 5 mile range. But these higher frequencies yet, you know, like 2600, like you mentioned, is you know, they're probably only a mile or so. Yeah, and that's okay. I mean, if you're talking about a network that is going to cover, uh, you know, X number of people with, you know, a certain and try and provide a certain level of service, it can't go that far. Um, keep in mind, there's a point of, uh, you know, a point where they get too high. Uh, if you look at stuff that's in like the five gigahertz range, um, if, if you use a five gigahertz Wi-Fi hotspot, you'll know that it, it really does a pretty poor job of penetrating walls and stuff. And you really have to place the router pretty, you know, pretty efficiently in order to make it make the coverage work for you. But it's still it, it does work uh, and you will be able to figure it out. And so we just, you know, we, we've got these different options, I think. And that's the good news is that we've got these different options to take advantage of. And as we talked about it at the top of the show, you know, the uh, Department of Defense is going to be moving uh, and uh, sharing some spectrum with the television broadcasters. And so they're going to be opening up some additional space. And that's AWS stuff. So that's all fairly decent spectrum. So um, it's a it's a great question. And it's almost a, an open ended question that there's not a uh, just a here's what's going to happen very specifically, because there's a lot of different moving pieces to this that the networks are going to deploy uh, to make this really to have the best network experience for us as consumers. Finally, today is a question from Patrick. He says, Happy Thanksgiving, Mickey and Joey. Uh, There's not much information out there, but I would love to know if you know if the Verizon Moto X Developer Edition is GSM unlocked. I'm on Verizon now, but have plans to switch in the future to AT&T. Well, Patrick, thank you for the question. Um, Yes, I do believe it is unlocked, uh, knowing what we know about Verizon and the devices that they sell. um, It would be a good bet uh, to think that the device comes with the SIM slot unlocked out of the box. Uh, You're right, though. There is not much information out there about it. Um, I did quite a bit of searching on that and could not find a definitive answer other than to say that it it appears that you can use this with other with SIM cards from other carriers, Uh, whether or not uh, AT&T is included in that or not is, uh, I guess, to be seen. And typically, Verizon will just unlock uh, if a device is locked. I used to do that with the Blackberries. I used to have SIM cards in them. I'd call them up and say, "Can you unlock this?" Because I'm, you know, traveling, and they'll, they'll just give you the unlock code. So if it is locked, which yeah, I'm sure it's not, uh, I'm sure they'd unlock it for you. Yeah, so you shouldn't have a problem with that. Probably a good uh, good idea to to pick one up, though. I mean, here's the other good news: is that for for some reason, if you can if you can get it and test it with uh, an AT and T card, uh, family member, friend, whatever it is. Uh, get an idea. Once you have it, you can uh, always return it to Motorola if, for say, it doesn't work. And, and that's really what's important to you is making sure that you do have that interoperability with 
AT&T there as well. Well, if you have any questions or comments for us, you can give us a call 206-203-3734. Send us an email to questions at junkie.com. We'd love to hear from you. We'll get anything you have to say on a future episode. Uh, happy Thanksgiving, everybody. I know it was a holiday week, uh, hopefully a four-day week for most of you out there. Uh, and uh, we've got, believe, get this, three weeks uh, between now and essentially Christmas. So get your shopping done, whether it's tech gifts or not. It's a short season this year. Joey, thank you very much, as always, for your time. We'll talk to you later. Thanks for listening. For more information about the stories you've just heard, visit us at thecellphonejunkie.com.